Yeah, hello, everybody. It's Monday evening. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. And I'm sure as regular listeners to our podcast, you can hear there's a little spring in my step and the bug that got to me last week, the flu bug is gone. My voice is back and my team won on the weekend. Okay. Let me not be too uh, biased towards my own success. Let's start with the disappointing news, and that is the Women's World Cup. Not that the tournament's been disappointing at all, but the result on the opening game. First of all, let's just say, let's just play all sport in Cape Town. And the reason I say that is because the largest crowd for a women's cricket match in this country came out in their droves to watch the ladies play. What an amazing performance it was in terms of the organization, the way the spectators came into the stadium, the way they enjoyed, obviously not the result, but they enjoyed the game. Fantastic start to what hopefully will be a fantastic tournament. I hope the crowds at the other matches that are not involving South Africa will be as big, and not necessarily as big, but bigger than what we've seen so far in the tournament, the weekend. And uh, Friday evening, as I say, it was the uh, turn of the South African women to take on Sri Lanka, and a disappointing performance. And I think the South African women maybe were just a bit overawed by the occasion. They looked a little bit nervous. They didn't quite look themselves, particularly when they were batting. And they weren't chasing a very big score, to be perfectly honest with you. 130, the Newlands ground that the boundaries have been brought in a bit for the ladies. And it was a score that I think at the at the start of the game, if South Africa had been told that they'd be chasing 130 to win, uh, they would have uh, been quite happy to have taken that. So it was all about the Sri Lankan pair of uh, Chamari Atapatu, and I'll try and get her name right, and I apologize to our Sri Lankan listeners around the world, Rajapaksha Gunaratni. The two of them put on a fantastic partnership, Atapatu getting 68, and Gunaratni 35. Two of them really pushed uh, the Sri Lankan innings after a disappointing start, losing the opener, Harishat Madhadvi. It's going to be a difficult tournament, this for me. And then they, they got through, as I say, from 28 for 1 to 114 for 2. And that 114 for 2 was where they got 17 overs. So it's not supposed to come off savings or anything like that. It's supposed to come off the discovery. How do I submit that? 126 for 9, the South Africans all out. Disappointing by the South Africans. They just didn't get going. Nobody really January. Uh, so I was still covered by discovery. Um, 18 to Laura Volfart, uh, Tasman Britt's got 12, Marazan Cup 11. She tried her best, 28 of 27, when she lost a wicket towards the end of the innings. That pretty much was the end of the South African. Okay, yeah, because I saw, I saw her in January and I saw her in February. So February is what I've seen to January. January is Seven, Kaka one and uh, Malava five. South Africa one twenty six for nine after twenty overs. Wickets fell regularly twenty nine, forty four, fifty three, seventy two, seventy two, ninety five, hundred and thirteen, and one hundred and seventeen. Then one twenty for nine. Game over. So the South Africans will have to move on from the defeat. 
and uh, hopefully uh, will themselves uh, back in the competition. It's going to be difficult, of course, uh, because they do have a couple of very, very good teams in their group. We'll go through the fixtures in a while. Let's just go back to the other results from the competition so far. And if you're going to say they were hot favourites before the tournament started, well, they certainly are even hotter favourites, if you like. The Australians, they dominated the game against New Zealand. 173 for nine, a big score. And then they bowled out New Zealand for just 76. In the other game, the early game on Saturday, it was the West Indies against England. England winning by seven wickets. The West Indies 135 for seven in 20 overs. England 138 for three uh, in their 14 overs and three balls when they won by seven wickets. And uh, then other matches uh, with regards to the matches played yesterday, Bangladesh against Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka going along really, really nicely now. They won against uh, Bangladesh and South Africa. 129 for three after restricting Bangladesh to 126 for eight, winning by seven wickets. And then India against Pakistan, always a hit of a game between men or women. Uh, 151 for three, India chasing 150 to win after Pakistan scored 150 for the last of four. So uh, those were the results of uh, the weekend with regard to the the competition. It's just coming up, as uh, I mentioned there, Bangladesh. On Wednesday, a double header. The West Indies in action again. And then on Thursday, Sri Lanka plays. In terms of the fact that uh, as the group, albeit that they've played one more game than the Australians, South Africa, uh, along with Bangladesh, it results in the group. So for you, Sri Lanka, Australia, Bangladesh, New Zealand, and then in group to West Indies. And only two teams from each group will go through to the next round. The big surprise, obviously, so far, is the Sri Lanka. Right, so the big uh, tournament over the weekend in terms of men's cricket will T20 final, which was the organisers have actually taken it into their hands to think of the spectators, think of the game in general by virtue of the fact that the weather was so bad in Johannesburg uh, over the weekend and Saturday the game was due to be played. It had to be postponed because of the fact that they didn't think they would get through 20 overs each, which was a great, because you would have hated to have seen a tournament of such great magnitude and such excitement have to be decided on what would have been a two innings as of five overs each. would have been ridiculous to have had such a tournament, which then, of course, meant that the game went on yesterday, full house or almost full house of the Wonders. I know it was sold out. I think a few people might have been put off by the fact that they were ready to go on Saturday and might have had plans for Sunday. But be that as it may, what a fantastic spectacle this tournament has been, culminating in what I guess at the beginning of the week of the tournament, uh, first week or two weeks of the tournament, people would never have given the Eastern Cape side from Kpecha, which is where Port Elizabeth used to be. It's still in the same place, got a new name. Um, the SAT20 won by the side that lost their first three games, looked like they were nowhere, and then they won it. Thanks to a semi-final performance, thanks to their captain, Aidan Markram, a magnificent 100. And then, of course, they got to the final. And how often does it happen? A team that finishes third, or in this case, third in the log, ends up with a fantastic performance. And all I can say is 
that there are one or two players who obviously will be smarting this morning by going, hmm, you know, you thought I was over and done with Fafdupasi for one. Then, of course, Rulof van der Merwe. How brilliant was he? He has completely and absolutely shown everything. You know, I was more experienced, and he did brilliantly. Along with Adam Rossington's blazing half-century, and Rulof van der Merwe's devastating spin bowling, a four-wicket victory for the Port elizabeth Bay side. The Sunrisers, Eastern Cape, beat the Pretoria Capitals. Now, the Capitals were by far the best team overall in the tournament, topped the log. But the way the game is played, it's amazing. So, what a great performance. What a great tournament. Yeah, I think people were a little skeptical um, before it began. But as always, the South African public came out and supported the games tremendously. I'll be looking forward to seeing what the final figures are. I know there were just over 22,000 at the Wanderers yesterday. Stadium that depends on who you talk to holds about 28. And as I say, I think a lot of people who were going on Saturday had plans for Sunday or maybe thought the weather was not going to hold out and maybe they thought they'll just stay at home or watch it on TV. And then Adam Rossington, he just annihilated the Pretoria Capitals bowling attack. Four fours, five sixes in a display of aggressive batting that I would normally say hasn't been seen for a long time, but that would be completely incorrect because we've seen some blazing batting in this competition. And it's been absolutely wonderful. And at one stage, it looked as though they were going to completely annihilate the Pretoria Capitals. But then Adil Rashid came to the bowling end and 13 overs, 13 runs rather, in his four-over spell really turned the game around. And it got a little tense in the end. But at the end, after the fantastic uh, start after Timber Bavuma was out. Now, I don't know. I'm trying to bite my tongue and not say anything that perhaps might incriminate me. And I'll remind you once again that the views on from the boardroom to the locker room are my own. And I take full responsibility for whatever it is that I say. But a travesty of justice that he wasn't included to start with Timber Bavuma, the South African white ball cap. Then he, of course, played in the one-day series batted really well in one of the games, got a 100, and a very good 100, I might add, in the one-day 50-over version of the game. And then he got called up to the side that ultimately won the competition. But he didn't get any runs, did he? I mean, his T20 form is non-existent. Just terrible. Got a duck again yesterday in the final. But you know what? At the end of the day, he's going to have a trophy and a medal to boot having come in for what was three games he played. But what a great tournament. It really, really was unbelievable. The momentum and the way the tournament was run, kudos to Graham Smith and everybody else around him. I mean, it was definitely not a one-man show. I can tell you that for sure. Graham Smith will admit that, that there were a lot of people around him that put this event together. And I guess, no, I'm not. You know that, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. They don't deserve credit for just putting their name to it. So I'm not going to tell you who they are. But you know who I'm talking about. Those people that sit in their ivory towers and complain that the commentators are not mentioning them enough because of how involved they should have been in the competition. Okay. 
Let's turn our attention now to the 15-man game. And let me remind you while I mentioned the 15-man game. So tomorrow evening, the Chief Executive Officer of the Blue Bulls Company, Edgar Rathbone, will be my guest on From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Don't miss it, because I can tell you right now, it is going to be a fascinating interview in depth. It's going to be full of great stories, uh, great questions that he's answered so beautifully and uh, it's going to be a great listen even if you're not a rugby fan if you're just a sports administrator or somebody wanting to be a sports administrator edgar rathbone is our guest tomorrow evening on from the boardroom to the locker room okay back to the action on the field and one of the best games of rugby that i've seen for a while in the men's game was the uh, six nations clash at the weekend between the number one and number two teams in the world. Thank you to the Irish for stopping the French from getting close to the Springbok record of the most number of matches won on the trots by beating the French at the Aviva Stadium in their own backyard, in the Irish backyard. That is what a game of rugby. It had everything from fast-flowing rugby, French flair, French-style, Irish resistance, great defending, great attacking, lovely tries, one or two brilliant bits of skill from individual players and a huge, huge boost for the game of rugby. I watched it, obviously, as a, a neutral. I had no support for either of the two sides, and it was fantastic. The Irish winning and winning well and playing outstanding rugby. And I, I know there's only a handful of teams in England, South Africa, New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I can't remember Australia. But none of the other, besides England, none of the other five nations or six nations teams have ever won the Rugby World Cup. And I think Ireland are going to be a difficult team to beat at this year's Rugby World Cup. They were outstanding. Can they keep the momentum up? And Russie and Jacques, somewhere, would be happy to see uh, that they've got an opportunity to watch these guys ahead of the World Cup. A lot of excitement about the Northern Hemisphere trying to win the World Cup. The number one team against the number two team. And Scotland, let me add, also playing some good football, rugby football, that is, in their win against uh, the Welsh. It's going to be some good stuff. The Scots, of course, beat England in their first game. Then England, of course, uh, had a victory against the Italians in the other game over the weekend. But uh, the French and the Irish, and maybe to a lesser extent, the Scots going forward to the World Cup. The results then, let me give them to you. France 19, Ireland 32, Scotland 35, Wales 7, England 31, Italy 14. That's the results from the Six Nations this weekend. And of course, the Irish uh, on top of the log at the moment. Then, of course, there was a weekend of Premier League football. And I can tell you right now that I'm beginning to wonder whether the Arsenal juggernaut is beginning to slip. It is just a little bit difficult right now to comprehend how things are going with regards to the situation there because... They slipped up now, one point in six. They play Manchester City at the weekend, and that's going to be a tough assignment for them as well. They might only get one point out of nine 
Is the Arsenal juggernaut beginning to slow down? We will find out how it goes in a short while of time. Next two or three weeks is obviously going to tell, and uh, we will obviously get a better sense of how things are going after this weekend's action. But let's have a look at the results from the weekend. There's one game outstanding that takes place later on tonight. Another team that have, have been slipping up, and that, of course, is Liverpool. They play their fiercest rivals, Everton, who under Sean Dyche will be smarting after their win last weekend against Arsenal. But let's have a look at the weekend's results. Uh, some people will be happy, some maybe not. So let's start on Saturday. And uh, a bit of a surprise at Leicester City. I didn't think Spurs were going to get beaten the way they did. They were beaten by four goals to one. Great performance by Leicester City. You, let's be honest, they've not had the best of seasons so far and haven't really had the best of seasons in the last couple of years since they won the Premier League at 5,000 to 1. But it started off with the London derby with a pretty boring game, I've got to be honest with you. West Ham and Chelsea ended up one all, but disappointing from a Chelsea side that have spent so much money. All I want is half a percent of what they've spent. I'll never have to work another day in my life. And then, fortunately, my executive producer, Nick's not happy, still got no smile on his face, even though he lives in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. His team got beaten by Fulham by two goals to nil. All good runs have to come to an end, but they've pulled themselves out of the relegation zone very nicely. So Fulham two, Forest nil. And then another draw between Palace and Brighton. And then Arsenal held to a draw by Brentford. And very lucky, I might add, because the VAR saved Arsenal at the end of the game. They could have lost that one 2-1 to Brentford. And then Southampton, who fired their manager promptly after losing to Wolverhampton Wanderers by two goals to one. And then another result that went in the favour of the Red Devils, Bournemouth and Newcastle drew one all. So only two uh, wins on Saturday, Wolves beating Southampton. And Fulham beating Forest, all the other games ending, Leicester beating Spurs, all the other games ending in draws. And then yesterday, it was Manchester United versus Leeds and Manchester City versus Aston Villa. Now, Man United fans would have been quite happy for a very short while, that is. I mean, let's, you know, take credit where credit is due. Second in the table for like an hour after beating Leeds United by two goals to nil. Disappointing earlier in the week, although coming back from 2-0 down against Leeds at uh, Old Trafford. This, of course, the return fixture in the league. Um, and uh, took them a while uh, to get their first goal. In fact, it took them quite a long time to get their first goal, thanks to a magnificent header by Marcus Rashford. He just doesn't stop scoring. 2-0 victory for Manchester United. Interesting. Now, I know this is, you know, like a fairy tale that I'm going to tell you about, because it can't really be true, but since the World Cup, Manchester United would be top of the Premier League by miles. The reason for that is they've played 12 games now and won 11 and lost one since the World Cup. The next best is by Manchester City well, after yesterday in 12 games. So Manchester United have come out of the block since the World Cup. Eric Ten Hag took a while to get going. I think there were a few Manchester United fans that were thinking, have they made a mistake here? But since he got rid of Cristiano Ronaldo, which is something that I'm quite surprised I'm actually even saying, he got rid of Ronaldo and United have looked a different team. Marcus Rashford in particular has looked like a completely different player. And then Manchester City played Aston Villa. So as I say, for about an hour, United was second on the table. Then Man City at home 
difficult team to beat. They were one up after about 50 seconds and uh, eventually went on to win by three goals to one. Okay, 46 seconds, whatever it was, four minutes into the game. It was very close. Rodri scoring good. Gundogan and uh, Mares getting their goals. At one stage, uh, Ollie Watkins scored to bring the score back to 2-1 and maybe there was a chance but unfortunately not. And Man City winning by three goals to one in their match at the Etihad. But Manchester City are in a spot of bother at the moment. Loads of stories going around with regards to what might or might not happen to them for what has been a breaking the wage cap and spending more money than they were allowed to. And it's a whole story. Apparently it can take about four years before they get to the end of this whole story. It could result in, at worst, Manchester City being relegated. Now, not down to the first division, which is the championship. But the reason for that is because the championship and the Premier League are not really linked anymore. So you can't just drop them down a division because the championship has their own teams and so on. So they might need to go down to what would be the third tier, which is Division 2 of English football, or even further. Now, remember, this has happened before to the likes of Rangers. They've also been dropped down. Juventus have been dropped down. So you never know. It could happen to Man City. I don't think taking their title away, if they are proven guilty, or fining them a huge amount of money, because as we speak, the owners of Manchester City have just earned a billion dollars in oil coming out the ground. That's just in tonight's show, let alone tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. Okay, back to the uh, table before we leave you on this Monday evening. Arsenal, top of the table. They've played 21 games. They have 51 points. Manchester City have played 22 games. They have 48 points. Now, they play each other, as I mentioned at the weekend. Six-point swing there. A win for Manchester City. And they'll be level on points with Arsenal. Is the pressure getting to the Gunners? I know they have a game in hand, but points on the table are far better than a game in hand. Manchester United, on the other hand, two games more than Arsenal. 46 points lurking, five points behind. But let's be realistic as Manchester United fans. Realisation of where they are right now, compared to where they've been in seasons gone by since Alex Ferguson retired. Finishing third at worst, second at best, still gets them into the Champions League next season. Now, what's so good about the Champions League is that you can then attract players to the club. Big names will come and play for you if you are in the Champions League. So Manchester City second, Manchester United third. Newcastle also beginning to flounder a little bit. They're five points behind United. They do have a game in hand. And Spurs have just dropped away completely. 39 points from 23 games. They're a long way away. 12 points uh, worse off than Arsenal and two games more. With Brighton, who are right on Spurs' tail in sixth place, two games in hand on Spurs, they have 35 points to the 39 points of Spurs. And then at the bottom of the table, well, Southampton, just by their manager, have only 15 points from 22 games. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're in big trouble. Bournemouth also in trouble, 18 points from their 22 games. Massive, massive game this evening for Everton and Liverpool, let's be honest. But absolutely crucial for Everton to get a result because they are in third place, third bottom, that is, with 18 points, a point behind Leeds. They do have a game in hand, which they play tonight. 
And then uh, West Ham are 16th on the table with 20 points. Wolves, 23 points in 22 games. And then Nottingham Forest are 14th on the log, way off the relegation zone now. Nine points better than bottom Southampton. Only uh, what's it, six points better. Uh, but still, uh, if you think about it, they say, what, 38 or 40 points at best will keep you out of uh, relegation and not a long way away from that. So the big game this evening, of course, is the one between Liverpool and Everton. It's a 10 o'clock kickoff tonight. It should be an absolute classic of a game because neither side, let's be honest, are playing the best football. But when these two teams play, the form book goes completely out of the window and any of these two sides can win. Sean Dyche, of course, has been fantastic in his one game so far. Immediately you saw a change in the way they played and they will be delighted to uh, be playing. They haven't won, though, at Liverpool in a long, long time. So I think if my memory serves me correctly, they've won once in the last 11 fixtures between the two two, uh, sides. So um, it really is... Yeah, 22 home league games against Everton and Liverpool have lost just once. So, yeah, so they won 12, draw 9. They lost 2-0 in February of 2021. But Liverpool are winless in their last four Premier League games in 2023. Drawn one and lost three. But the thing about that is they've only scored one goal. And only once in the Premier League era have they had a longer winless run at the start of a calendar year. Five games they lost in 2017. So big pressure on Jurgen Klopp this evening and his team. New man in charge of Everton, Sean Dyche, will be looking to really get the fans behind him. I mean, can you imagine beating Arsenal, who were top of the table, and their arch-rivals Liverpool in his first two games? It cannot get better. It honestly can't. Okay, I'll tell you what can get better. Here's another edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room tomorrow evening. Join us when we'll be talking to the Chief Executive Officer of the Blue Bulls Company, as I said earlier on. Wonderful, wonderful interview, which I did today earlier on. Play out for you tomorrow evening. He really has got some fantastic answers to a wonderful conversation. And you don't have to be a rugby fan to enjoy it. I can promise you it's lots of great, entertaining stories about rugby in general and, and a great conversation we had with uh, Edgar Rathbone, the CEO of the Blue Bulls Company. That's coming up tomorrow. This has been the Monday edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Hope you've enjoyed it. Watch you again tomorrow evening. Once to each other. Bye-bye.